Hello, and welcome to Makers.dev episode number 100! We did it! We made it. 100 episodes. Uh, my fun fact about the number 100. I tried to... <laughs> I vaguely remembered <laughs> some sort of a fact about, oh, if you have a podcast and you publish more than 100 episodes, it means this. But the only thing that I could find is this quote from this random bloggy <laughs> spammy website that said, quote, successful podcasters are 7.7 times more likely to have published over 100 episodes and 15.8 times more likely to have published over 200 episodes but <coughs> um, i just choked on my <coughs> oh no uh podcast is unedited folks yes <laughs> um the thing sorry. i remember I'll, I'll let you catch your <laughs> breath yes, thank you the, the thing i remember is that seth godin will never come on a podcast if it has less than 100 episodes if uh, he ever gets a podcast request he says uh call me when you reach 100 and uh, we could call seth godin that's that's right uh, we could he, have him on. <laughs> he, he also randomly does things like doesn't go on podcast episodes for years at a time and doesn't mm-hmm. respond to comments and stuff like uh he's very i think healthfully protective of his time and, and mental energy so gotcha but yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> that's a good heuristic to have because even if it's a podcast like ours that doesn't really have a ton of listeners like at least we're hustling at least we're doing the thing cool i have a lot of stuff to talk about including another dude where's my segment <laughs> about a very uh, very excellent unfortunate... <laughs> yes but, but awful okay yes so uh but we'll get started with how your last two weeks have been uh what did you get up to over the last two weeks yeah, it's been a couple weeks uh, since I've seen you. I've been working and learning all the things there are to learn. Um, that's going well, but nothing nothing really to report. It's general ramp-up stuff. Um, I've been doing Kaggle as well. Uh, I'm now on a team, so I'm doing the same Gravity Wave competition. Mm-hmm. I can't win prizes, but we can win medals, and so there were four other people who did not care about prizes. And uh, I, uh, when teaming up, it helps to be uh, higher than the people you're teaming with. Because, uh, and I was and so they were like I don't care just uh, yeah, let's yeah. team up and, and do well so um, yeah so they reached out to me and so now we're a team and hopefully we'll do well there um, not, no real insights to share on that yet um, because the team is kind of new but yeah working on a team is always easier than working in person or in like solo yes. um, in, terms, in terms of doing well so good good uh, hopefully we do well yeah What's the motivation for the people who want to team up with you but don't care about the prize? Is it, are these people rich? Do they also work at Google? <laughs> no. Or, or do they just want uh, a higher chance of winning and they know that they wouldn't place anyway if they were going individually? Okay. Correct. Yeah. You often uh, realize, you know, once you have, are in the competition and realize you're not going to, you know, do well enough solo to get like a gold, then you'll team up even if there's no chance uh, of a prize in order to, to do it. Like, I think three of them. Uh, or two plus me are are looking for more golds to be grandmaster mm. and so those become important um i guess i don't know i think two of them are grandmasters so i don't know what their motivation is but they seem very excited to do well without prize money so huh yeah interesting maybe they value internet fake points more than money points yeah <laughs> you, you do get you do get internet fake points uh and so you you can like i think i'm 390th or something in all of Kaggle, and so you can go up in those rankings by getting oh, okay okay medals and i guess that has an impact in your career and prestige if you wanted to get hired at a company like google it's a feather in your cap to be able to say i'm ranked 390 something on kaggle that'd be pretty cool i'm curious to hear how you're framing the difference between working with this team that you had to select for people who don't care about the prize versus other teams that you've been on that have won gold in the past where people did care about the prize and i think before it was students internationally that you were working with that were that was really hustling and putting the hours in so yeah is this group going to be more relaxed they, they seem to be, be just as just as involved i think uh in order to do well in kaggle you have to put a silly amount of effort in and yeah. so like by the end especially if you split a prize with you know say you have it's a 10k prize and you split it with five people so you get 2k each well mm-hmm. you know i put way more time than that in like if yeah, i was yeah. going to do consulting um and so it's really doesn't make much of a difference uh anyway sure. um some of the big ones do though like there's some 10k or sorry 100k prizes those people probably care a lot more about that, that. sure sure yeah. yeah that could almost be your full-time job then exactly yeah and for you i'm sort of framing this as uh, a 
add on to your master's program that you mm. also sometimes get paid for that is a free way for you to build experience and be solving these real world problems so it would almost make sense for you to be paying them for these sorts of problems and, and the feedback and being able to work with teams I could see this if Kaggle didn't exist and this sort of a framework was offered by a university I could see this as being a selling point for the university of presenting you with these real world problems and giving you this actual industry experience and the the financial result of that being that you're paying the university so yeah seems like a good deal all around yeah uh yeah it is um oh also speaking of which there is a new cattle competition uh which might be interesting to you or listeners um mm. because it requires no machine learning experience um every year cattle does an optimization problem instead of like a machine learning problem mm. um and it's it's always Christmas themed, and so uh, yeah, this year like I've submitted, I guess just once, <laughs> but um, it uh, just requires regular coding. And if you want to use some machine learning optimization stuff, you can, but uh, yeah, otherwise it's just just regular coding and solving a problem. Um, so that one is okay. So here's the problem. Here's the setup. Uh, the the elves, the Santa's elves, are printing Christmas cards, and they have a robotic arm. So okay. an eight link robotic arm. And it has to visit every pixel in the image once to print the pixel. Okay. It costs, there's just a cost associated with um, moving the arm. Mm -hmm. um, so, so every link you move has a cost. And then every time you switch colors, and it's really just the, the RGB difference between the two pixels that you mm -hmm. move from and to, um, times three because there's some scaling factor anyway that's the cost so you move the arm you print the you switch colors that's the cost um, and it's a fairly complex image so there's a lot of like ways that you can optimize color cost um, mm. and that's it you have to visit every pixel once uh, to print the image and then you get a cost out at the end and uh, you're trying to optimize your cost what that's a fun problem you said it was an eight link Robotic arm? I don't understand what that means. Yeah, so, so there's eight, eight eight arms stacked on top of each other, and their lengths are 64, 32, 16, 8, 4, 2, 1, 1, so they get progressively smaller. Oh, interesting. Okay, so, eight, oh, there's a there's a word for this problem uh, with robotic arms. Uh, inverse with, kinematics with, is one of them. Uh, I, think, I think that's it, yeah, where there's, there's an infinite number of ways to visit each uh, point in three-dimensional space as soon as yes. you get over, like, three links or something. Uh, and you, you can sort of visualize this by taking your hand and holding it at a point of space and then like moving your elbow around there's your joints are moving all over the place but but the the end result of where the tip of your finger is stays the same yes um okay so there's so this robot arm has eight links and there's a cost associated with moving each of the links oh man that's a that's a problem yeah. uh and then switching colors, you don't have to like reset to home when you switch a color. There's no, just no, no. a cost it for just, switching color. Yeah, it's like if you move from blue to red, that's a pretty that's a really high cost. If you, if you move from blue to a slightly different shade of blue, that's a very low cost. Yeah. So like there's gradients in this image. So generally you want to follow the gradient in a way that, you know, it, it, there's gradients and then there's hard edges. So it's the pictures of a Christmas tree with like stuff. And so okay. like when you switch from the blue background to the green Christmas tree, that's a really high cost. So you want yes. to avoid that as often as you can. Okay. And it's a full color image. It's not just red, right. green, and blue. Yeah. Okay. Oh man, that's a that's a problem because I could imagine if you have a rare color in the image, and there's a cluster of it in the upper left, and there's a cluster of it in the lower right. Naively, I would want to just say list out all the colors. Oh, is is there a smaller cost if you if you ship between colors that are more similar? Yeah, yeah, smaller when you okay. shift between similar colors. Um, it, there's also the arm is a little special. You can only move every arm by one unit at a time, so it's not like you can move from upper left to lower right in one like swoop. Yeah, you can yeah. only move a little bit at a time. Um, and also, instead of moving in circles, they move in squares, uh, mm -hmm. which makes the math easier. But it means that the arms telescope in kind of a weird way. It's a little unintuitive, but okay. it actually makes the problem a little easier to code up. So because um, you don't have to do like trigonometry and stuff. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. What a what a problem. Okay. So, yeah, if you want to get Nerd Snipe, check it out. I think it's important for me to forget that you mentioned this problem. Because <laughs> I could totally see myself just diving into it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm trying to launch a company, Chris. Come on. <laughs> gotta, trying, to, trying to make actual real, real world dollars instead of Kaggle points. If it helps, I thought this problem would be easy. And it turns out it's really, really not. <laughs> and so, yeah. If, I can imagine yeah. a bunch of different ways this would be complicated. Like, 
I think I think the naive thing I'm gonna want to do is like start sort the colors in some dimension, lightest to darkest, or clusters of red, green, and blue, or something that that sort of minimizes the cost between uh, shifting through the colors, and then start in the upper left or wherever the robot arm is closest to, and then for each segment of the image, and I'm not sure how I would figure out the segment of the image, color in all the colors that are in that cluster and then move to the next segment and then once you've gone through the whole image in that cluster then switch to the next color and then go backwards through the whole thing and then do that for however many chunks of colors there are so you have to figure out a way to chunk the colors and to chunk the segments of the image but chunking the segments of the image would also depend on the image what the what the best strategy of doing that is it's it's a static image it's this is not right. like solve this generally okay correct yeah. oh man okay yeah that's a that's a hard problem that's interesting i'm reminded of the xkcd comic that talks about how unintuitive it is for non-technical people to understand what hard problems in computer science are and what easy problems are in computer science it's i think the it, it's two different uh, uh panels the first panel is something like uh you know make an app to figure out if you're in a national park or not yep. and that's easy because you just you know get all the data for the gps coordinates for the national parks and then check your gps coordinate and then see if you're inside any of those and then the second problem was like figure out if a picture is a picture of a bird which since that comic has been released that has since become an easy problem yep uh so this this is a hard problem <laughs> this is this is difficult uh and it would be easy, I think, if you if you weren't like trying to think through it to just sort of hand wave like, oh well, you just write some sort of an algorithm to to paint it. But okay, yes, but what is the algorithm? How are you doing that? Uh, well, that's cool. So you're gonna yeah. you're gonna try for it. You're gonna. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in thirtieth out of four hundredth place or something right now, and I don't know. I'm spending more time in the gravity waves competition. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. But that comp- the gravity wave ends before this one i think the santa competition ends in middle of january or something so i may spend a little more time on that but um the the other reason it's kind of nice especially for beginners to kaggle is because you don't um there is no leaderboard shifting afterwards because Hmm. when you get the answer like that's just the answer there's no private or public leaderboard interesting so yeah so it's like there's no possibility that you'll like shift up or down after the competition ends that's also tough though because there's there's one solution there is the most so, so yes but yes but so this is actually a variant to the traveling salesman problem okay so traveling salesman you know you have to visit every single node once and right. or, or more than once i guess and there's a cost associated between moving between nodes right. um traveling salesman is known to be in not solvable or np hard right mm-hmm. and um or np complete i always forget the difference between the two but anyway uh so so there is an optimal solution but it's probably not solvable um and so you just have to get as close as possible to the optimal solution. Um, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Do they know the optimal solution, or nope. do they think they know the optimal? Okay. No. Nope. So they're just gonna they're just gonna look for the number of steps, and then the minimum step wins. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that sounds fun. What's the prize for that if you if you win that? Uh, ten grand for the first four places. Ten grand. Yeah. You'd you'd be passing up ten grand if you if you win. <laughs> That's true, but I'm not gonna get the first four places. I can guarantee you. So. <laughs> what what would happen if you did? Would they pass it on to the fifth place winner? Yeah. So technically, I have to decline the prize, and then it, yeah, it goes to the next next place. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Huh. All right. Cool. Uh, sure. Christmas is also coming up. Is yeah. Anything you're thinking about for Christmas uh, pre- other than uh, AI or, or uh, uh, non-AI competitions on Kaggle? No. Yeah. We're prepping for that. We're just going to be traveling. Um, we're also, we put up all our decorations and everything, but we also, so after Halloween, uh, we put away all our decorations, except for one, we bought a new five foot skeleton this year and left okay. it outside, but I didn't have a Halloween box for it. We put all our Halloween stuff in like these orange tubs, you know, mm-hmm. and uh by the time we cleaned it up all the stores had moved on from halloween to christmas so mm. i can't get a halloween box anymore so the, the skeleton's just sitting in our foyer right now and uh <laughs> he has a he has a christmas hat on uh so he's become a christmas skeleton we'll see yeah, how long he stays skeleton. there yeah, yeah perfect <laughs> just keep him up year round just every every holiday just swap out a hat or something and uh, you're, yeah. you're good to go yeah no uh, need for a box you, you can also like see him if you come to the door so like people who come to the door like i open it and there's like a skeleton behind me <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. 
it's funny that like during the month of october having <laughs> having certain types of items in your house is just sort of normal and festive and then at any other time of the year it's like it's very concerning yeah it's a little weird at some point are yeah. you a science teacher <laughs> that's right is this a relative of yours what's, what's we going also, on my daughter also got a little uh unicorn skeleton to go with him so he has a little yeah. pet <laughs> so, so we have a little <laughs> unicorn skeleton as well that's good that's good i would love to talk about another entry into my series of misfortunate events excellent oh, or awful i don't know what it is yet we'll see it's it's gonna be a wild ride oh, all, right. Right. all right it's called dude where's my email list oh oh so i can't remember what i was doing of how i discovered this oh no i i i was trying to log into my email list which is self-hosted it's using this thing called sendy which is a php app you can buy for 70 dollars, and then you have to self-host it so you have to set up a vps you have to set up a postgres database and then you install it and set up a domain name and then connect it to your amazon SES account and now you have ConvertKit or mailchimp but it costs you almost nothing it costs you just the price of the vps and then amazon SES costs almost nothing it's it's thousandth of a a thousandth of a penny for like a million emails or something ridiculous so i was logging into it because i was talking with sarah about uh ways that i could be doing more lead gen on consulting jobs so i was thinking oh this this would be nice to like send out an email to my personal email list that i've been cultivating for you know the last 10 years or something ridiculous uh because i think there's about a thousand people on that list and so you know th those are people who are familiar with i am with who i am and so i can send out an email and uh and say if you have any jobs that i could do and i'd like to talk to you so i load up the url and it's just infinitely loading and I'm thinking, huh, that's not good. Well, this has happened before. Sometimes it just crashes. Uh, and it's unfortunate because, you know, my, my clips.marketing, uh, now the video clipper email list is also connected to the same system on the same VPS. So, ah, this mm -hmm. kind of sucks. I may have missed out on a few days of people trying to sign up for it. But, you know, whatever. That, that would be two or three emails. So uh, it sucks, but, but it's fine. Here's what I'll do, because I've done this before. I just SSH into the VPS, and I just run my command to restart it, which is going to re restart Nginx and restart the the uh, Sendy app, and we'll be good to go. Oh, and it'd be kind of nice if I set up some sort of a uh, notice so that if it went down again in the future, it would just automatically restart, and then we'll be on our merry way. However, when I try to SSH into it, that's not working. Hmm. And I think, oh, no. <laughs> so the plot thickens. So I think, well, OK, no problem, because this has happened before. And all I need to do is log into my VPS provider called Chunkhost, which is a company I've been with for over a decade. I have a 25% site-wide forever discount with any VPS I have with them. It's cheaper by far than anything else. It's like, I don't know, like like 60% the cost of uh, Linode or, or DigitalOcean or something. I have a whole bunch of VPSs with them. I think I have like, like five uh, uh, images or five servers. And so I know what to do next. I just log into Chunkhost and then I say restart this chunk and then they call their virtual images chunks because it's chunk host uh restart this chunk and then once it's rebooted i'll be able to ssh and do it and then then we're good to go then i then i restart it so i log in and i hit restart and it restarts great and then i go back and i try to log in and it doesn't work and i think oh no and then i notice one of my other chunks is also in the same sort of limbo position where it says it's running, but it's not actually. And this is one that runs File Inbox, oh, the, the no. old legacy one. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so I'm thinking, and they're in the. It shows you the the area geographically where they're both in the the LAX2 area of uh, servers. Uh, so I checked the, the other LAX2 one for File Inbox, and that one's also down. And I think, oh no. And I remember getting a notification on my phone about a week ago that said that that uh, uh, server had gone down from. Cloudflare, because uh, I do load balancing between two. The whole site didn't go down, because I've sort of been through this situation before, where like one of them goes down. So, so you know, it's automatically switching to the other one. But now the other one's working twice as hard. So this is like not a good position to be in. But okay, weird that both of these things aren't working. And then there's a third one that's also down, and I'm thinking, oh no, in the same sort of way. But w one of them is still up. So you know, out of the four or five virtual servers I have on this platform, I think three of them are down, and one of them is up. And then one of them is in this weird state where I tried to start it, but it didn't start. And I remembered emailing support about it like months ago and, and it's still there. Okay. That's weird. Okay. No problem. 
because they have really good support. I remember from a year or two ago when I emailed them, I'll just email them and say, hey, something's wrong. Can you please fix it? I don't know what's going on, but it's it's nothing I can control. So I send them an email. And then I think, let me just dig into this a little bit more. Let me let me like check on Twitter and make sure they're still active on Twitter. So I check on Twitter and they haven't posted in like years. And I think, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and then and then I search, okay, who who are people who have messaged Chunk Host? And the top tweet I see that just, oh, it just, it just, my stomach sank. It said something along the lines of like, hey, if you're on Chunk Host, apparently the company shut down and they're not answering emails and they haven't responded to me in weeks and i think oh god and then i and then i start thinking through like how is this happening to me again (laughs) first it happened with this blockfi thing and that really hurt that was you know 20 percent of our life savings it sucks however it's money and you you can just make more money right like it's such it's not good that this happened but it's a dollar is a dollar but this is an email list that I can't get back. Like I can get new people on it, but I can't get back the list that the, and it's also my launch list for the video clipper. And then I just start spiraling and I was on the floor, just like I punched a box at one point and Sarah's there trying to console me. And she's like, I've never seen you this upset. I'm like, why didn't you get this upset about the money? And I was like, you don't understand. Like you can't get this back. But I start, I, I take, I don't know, like half an hour, just land on the floor. And then I'm like, okay, it's okay. Here's what I can do. Some of the people who were on the video clipper launch list have emailed me back. So I can go through my emails and, you know, just just like one by one extract their email address. So from that, I'm able to get about half of the list back. I think I have something like 70 people on a total. I'm able to get about 35 people back. So I think, okay, this does suck, but it's not as bad as it could have been. And like, honestly, if I figure out some sort of a flow of if I'm buying a Google ad or if I have SEO and, and get more people in, like... 35 emails is, is small potatoes. So, okay, I can, I can kind of shift that. But like, oh man, this personal email list from my blog, like I don't even know how many people were on there. And I, I, I have no idea how to get those back. Like I've emailed some of them sort of sporadically, but that's going to be a whole project in itself. So then I start thinking like, okay, how could I, how could I spin this to be, I could post about this on Twitter and ask people to please sign up for my personal email address if they weren't signed up to it before. I could go through like all my personal contacts and try to add people manually, but like, oh man, this sucks. So I start doing some sleuthing of like, I really, really need this list back and I'm kicking myself because the list was stored on like a self-hosted within the VPS Postgres database. And I was just thinking, oh, if I had only hosted it somewhere else that did backups, that wasn't, then, you know, there's nothing on the server. And then I start thinking like, how many other things like this in my life could I lose? How, how what, what else is there that's gonna, that's gonna be taken from me in, in this way that like I haven't appreciated enough to, to be doing backups of. So I made a whole list that includes things like my Google Photos library you would be uh, useful for this. So I, I need to figure out some way of downloading my whole Google Photos library in case every once in a while I read about the story of on Hacker News that someone loses access to their whole uh, uh, Google account. So like, okay, that that would that would really hurt if I lost that. So I got to set that up. Also email, also my calendar, also all my databases for all my apps. Like I'm not confident that I have backups for all these. So I'm, I'm really working to do this sort of anti-fragile, how do I emerge from this stronger? Uh, one of the other things that comes up is uh, my, Tesla is underinsured. Uh, like if if I personally just crash my car into a pole, I I just lose the car. I, I, nothing happens. Uh, so I, I had I tried to figure out on the app how much more would it cost if if I wanted this insurance, and it was like a lot. It was like you know something like a hundred dollars a month to to mm. uh, insure the car. So I was like, oh that that kind of hurts. But I talking with Sarah about this. Sarah was like, well let's try to bundle the insurance and then and we'll just get a quote. And and when when you bundle it uh, between two people living in the same household and they're married, like things get uh, uh, cheaper. So we talked to a woman on the phone and she's able to bundle it and get me full coverage for the same amount that Sarah and I were paying individually before. So that's amazing. Uh, nice. So that like okay I've I've emerged from the stronger. But this whole time I'm just thinking like, oh, this sucks. Like, <laughs> I hate that I lost this whole email address, uh, the the whole email list. So fast forward to yesterday. Uh, I've built this small coalition of people who have also lost data on Chunkost, <laughs> and we're doing some sleuthing. We're <laughs> we're like looking up in Canadian phone books the names of people because it, it's they don't they don't have a list on the website of like you know oh, this course. is the CEO. It's it's real sketchy, uh, and they have a phone number, but the phone number they list 
is this Google Voice number that got disconnected. So I'm like, oh man, how, how long has this been going on? This sucks. And uh, we're able to track down the current owner through like, man, I, I was calling people's phone numbers. I was getting ready to send them letters. Anyone who had a name that matched any of the names that any of us had gotten emails from, we were all tweeting to, to try to get stuff back. And eventually one of them responds. He doesn't respond to me, he, he responds to somebody else. But then the, the other guy lets me know. And so then I'm thinking, okay, well, what, what do I need to do? Like, how, you know, he, he fixed your problem, but what do I do for mine? And I go to log in and it works. The, the Sendy instance had come back online. And in the meantime, I had like set up a new one and reconnected them. So people signing up would, would, uh, would do it. But uh, I was able to get the whole list back uh, for all of my lists. And there were some that I didn't even remember that I'd done. Like there was a email list that I'd done for Genco School, which is a, a learn to code course that I've been horribly neglecting since uh, 2020. <laughs> uh, but in the process of doing this and revisiting it, I realized, oh, a lot of the emails on this list are fake. It's just it's just a random hash for the name. So that's interesting. I need to enable double opt-in for this. Um, and also I'm in this new state of appreciation of, oh, I have this email list that I haven't emailed in forever of people that have signed up to hear updates about me and what I'm building. What a neglected opportunity for this medium, unlike Twitter or Facebook, where the company owns my audience. I totally own this audience for email. So I have two things that I would love to implore you to do. The first is, please back up everything that you don't want to lose just think about that and like go through an audit if you lost access to a thing what and then and then go through and actually back it up and the second thing is to appreciate what you have specifically <laughs> in relation to email lists like this is an incredible thing that i feel like i was only able to appreciate because i lost it and then i got it back and i'm, I'm thinking much more about how i would like to like what what my email strategy I would, I would like to be and are there like automations what what's the friction in me sending out an email and how can i lower that as much as possible but it was uh it was a, an incredible gift to get it back and it was harrowing and i feel like i've learned a lot about uh how i would like to be insuring myself against this sort of loss in the future so that's my story yeah good story um i remember patio 11 at several micro comps saying like how many of you have backups how many of you test your backups yep. and you don't have backups? <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so yes, test your backups. Uh, I am guilty of the same things. I'm sure uh, I am sure I have lots of yeah email lists and other random things like, uh, like Heroku shutting down all of the free uh, things recently. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I caught it because uh, Colleen um, posted something on Twitter like Heroku shut down all the things and won't let you get your data. I was like, mm -hmm. oh no. So I, uh, cause I had meant to do that. So I went there and there were lots of warnings like you have to upgrade in order to get your data. I was like, okay, I could pay the whatever to upgrade this dyno, but that means yeah. I still have my data. So I went and dug into the menus and eventually found an export. Um, nice. So I didn't have to upgrade before I got all my data. Oh, and you can um, export to, so they just had like a hosted database and you were just able to, to export the database directly. Yeah, a dump of That's it. That's yeah. great. But, but you okay. had to go through multiple menus of like warnings that yeah. your data is already gone and stuff. Um, yep, yep. Uh, but but now that doesn't work anymore. They actually deleted it now. It was, it was like a few days where that worked. Oh, man. Um, yeah. Some well, people I, were so, in for okay. a shock. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I think they still have the data, but now you have to actually pay for it to come out of hibernation or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Perhaps. Anyway, yes, um, I, al I also resonate with the car uh, insurance stuff. Um, we had we had insurance on our car, but so my wife was driving the van. This is a while ago, and someone turned left right in front of her and couldn't do anything, smashed into it. So it was all the other person's fault, mm. um, and we got a new car out of it, like they paid for it. But I remember not checking a box that said something like, if you have a total loss, we'll give you 20% more than the value of your car. And I was uh -oh. like, nah, this is like $5 a month. I'm not doing that or $10 a month or something. <laughs> so now both of my cars have that box checked <laughs> Nice. because like, yes, it's more money, but at the time it would have been really nice to get, I don't know, whatever, you know, six grand or whatever. You know, For sure. Yeah. Four grand or something. Um, so yeah, I mean, you kind of don't learn this stuff until it happens to you. Yeah. Um, but for anyone listening yeah here are some warnings yeah. please learn from our mistakes and like i've heard that like i was there when patty 11 talked yeah. about the, the backup thing right and i remember thinking like oh i should do that at some point <laughs> that was six, six years, years later years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so i yeah an, another dimension of this is uh i'm not backing up any of the stuff i'm doing on firebase and that's a problem uh so yeah i need to th this has bumped way up my 
to-do list. I, I have the code that I would need to be automatically exporting backups. And the way that that works is it takes snapshots of the Firestore database and I can put it in Google Cloud Storage. Uh, but that's not enough. I need to I need to be able to test like, can I actually restore from this? And I want a local backup for something to be for, for something as important as an application database. I want it to be in at least three places. There's the live version. There's the backup on Google Cloud. And then I want a, like on my hard drive, a, a, even if yeah. it's a 10 gigabyte file, whatever. I want a whole backup, you know, a, a daily backup that I could that I know that I can restore from. I want to be testing the, the restores. And then once it's on my laptop, I have a time machine backup to an encrypted drive locally. And then I also have Backblaze. So like if something is on my laptop, it exists. I'm, I'm it'd be very, very difficult to lose that. So more more things in that category need to be brought into this safe space of living on my computer or on the external hard drive. Um, uh, oh, which you mentioned photos. Uh, Google yeah. Photos does have a supported way to do this. It's called Google Photos Takeout or Google Takeout generally. Yes. Um, and it's a way to take your data out of Google. Um, and that's why it's called Takeout. Here's my question on that though. Mm -hmm. That I think is just a periodic thing. What I would love is to be able to rsync all my photos and then just run that daily. Yes, so uh, oh, no. <laughs> uh, there is no supported way to do that. Okay. Hint, hint, not supported. Look for non-supported ways, maybe. Oh, that, that's, uh, that's, oh, ooh. That's, okay. That's not, I didn't say that. Yeah, okay. no, no there's, there, so there's no supported way to do that with the API anyway. Yeah. Um, but if you have your username and password, like that's better than an API because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's your username okay. and password. So there's no supported way to do that. Okay. Oh no! <laughs> so what a shame. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I want to. I want to do that with Google Photos. I want to do that with Gmail. I've I've taken whole Google takeout snapshots, but yeah. I don't know. The last one I did was probably three years ago. Yeah. Um. So for for something to exist, and for me to feel safe that I'm not going to lose it, I want it backing up automatically without me thinking about it to my external hard drive, which is going to get backed up to to all these other places too. Cool. Okay. Uh, I, I was reminded of the book Anti-Fragile by, I think it's uh, Nassim Taleb. Taleb, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that, like, when bad things happen, when, when you get hurt, you can have two responses to it. You can either uh, just be broken for the rest of your life, and, <laughs> and it, it's only worse, or you can uh, become stronger because of that. And, you know, the bad thing happening to you was actually much better in the same way that, you know, if you lift weights, that's, that's a stress, that's a, a, a negative event on your muscles, but they emerge from that stronger than the next time you can, you can lift a lot more. So that's the, that's the framing I'd like to have with this. Uh, and it is just a cherry on top that I got the data back that, that just feels like a, an incredible gift. Uh, so yeah, that feels really good. All right. Hopefully we can save someone else listening to this podcast that they can avoid uh, the same sort of agony for man it was like a week and a half i, yeah. I just thought i'd lost the whole thing it, it sucked uh cool so i have updates for file inbox updates for the video clipper and then updates on the cruise that i just got back from that's the reason why we didn't record last week nice on file inbox two so so there were two servers that i had on uh chunk host that were hosting the file inbox app one of them went down the other one was still up so to, to make a new server i used this self-hosted heroku called doku where you install it and then you can just get pushed to it as if it was uh, Doku. And that I have a whole SOP for like how to set up one of those files. It, it took like two hours, but uh, I set those up on Linode and DigitalOcean. So, uh, and then I, and then I shut down the two things on Chunk Coast. So I'm not relying on Chunk Coast anymore for that because of the next time it goes down, like <laughs> it might come up maybe in two weeks yep. if, if you can track right. down who the person is. Uh, so that's nice. And then I also fixed a small UI bug that was on the home page that I feel kind of embarrassed about. The I have a video tutorial on the homepage, and if you visit it on mobile, for like the last three or four years, it was ridiculous. Uh, that video was like really squished; yeah. it was messing up the aspect ratio. So I finally fixed that, and I had seen that like I don't know a dozen times. I thought, ah, I'm gonna fix that. Let me add it to my to-do list, and it just never got done. So in the process of like pushing again at these apps, that that got done. So that felt good. And then the video clipper. Okay, so I have I have some uh, for, first small product update. I'm now able to. Well, it took a lot of work. It's not small. I'm now able to do custom colors and custom fonts and embed graphics on the image. So cool. like the 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 product of being able to generate these uh, social media optimized clips uh, is 
basically done. There's no there's no interface to change it yet, but I, I think I can get away with launching it just like it is. Uh, there, I've got like maybe two more days of, of technical updates to that, which I think I can finish this week. And then I think I do a soft launch of that where the videos are watermarked. And then before the 26th is my uh, self-imposed deadline, I would like to have a way that people can pay me money. So that's that's coming up. It's the 13th right now. So in, in 10 more days, I think I can do it. Uh, so that feels good from a technical standpoint. And then I have two marketing things that I'd like to talk with you about. So the first is SEO and paid ads. I am going through this sort of like personal coaching uh, session with a customer success person at SEMrush. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been really nice. He, he like teaches you how to use the tool and also is working through specifically for your project. Like, you know, he researches your competitors for you and, and shows you, okay, here, here's how you find these sorts of keywords. And the game that he seems to be playing for me is finding high traffic, low uh, difficulty keywords that are related to the, the uh, without a high intent to try to use my product. And he defines high traffic is this as for over... Video- Sorry, is this the, for video clipper or file inbox? Or the both? video clipper. Although okay. going through this, I also really want to do this for file inbox. So yeah, I'm wondering, right. like, do I cancel my account and then sign up again and then <laughs> do it for file inbox? <laughs> right. Just wear uh, wear a Groucho Marx glasses or something. Um, yeah. So so uh, that's been really interesting. Uh, he, he defines high traffic as 200 uh, hits per month and less than 50 keyword difficulty and i'm not i'm not quite sure what keyword difficulty is that i think that's just like a, an internal metric like a yeah. score that they that they give things um and that's hard because that's in this goldilocks zone of like if if a term has high traffic a lot of other people notice it has high traffic too and then it's much higher keyword difficulty and if a keyword has low difficulty it usually has very low traffic so trying to find something that's high traffic and low keyword difficulty is difficult but I, I think that's just going to look like he showed me these methods of you, you look through all your competitors you look for the keywords that they're ranking for uh those go into this giant bucket of keywords that you could potentially be searching for you look through all those and try to see do any of these fit this criteria if not you can find related keywords to those keywords by branching off in, in you know one extra step and then from those maybe there's more niche keywords that still have high volume and, and low traffic so uh that's an interesting game and i'm i i in going through this process, I'm, I'm sort of struck by how the tool feels kind of complicated for the job it's trying to do for me, similar to mm-hmm. Ahrefs. Have you used a tool like this, like a keyword research tool that shows you uh, keywords for what people are ranking for? Maybe for like an hour total. But okay. yes, I know what you're talking about. The, the general way this tool works is you type in either a competitor's website, uh, and then that shows you a list of the keywords that they rank for. Or you can type in a keyword, or you can click on one of the keywords that they're ranked for. And then the keyword view shows you the, the amount of traffic, related keywords, uh, keyword difficulty for each of these things. And it just shows it as a spreadsheet. But going through this, I was thinking, I, I would love some sort of graph for this. <laughs> I'd love to see a graph of just you know keyword difficulty versus traffic. And then mm-hmm. I can see clusters of, oh, you know, okay, in the in the bottom, or, or what, I don't know, in the, in the top right corner cluster of keywords. Uh, that's what I want to be going for. Um, right now, it's just it's going through a lot of spreadsheets, and I don't like that. But I sure I'm not going to start a new project. I'm not going to do that, Chris. I'm focused on <laughs> file box and the video clipper. Um, I'd, I'd be surprised if they don't have some kind of graph view. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's worth asking. Well, I think you're surprised that they do have right. some graphs. They have some, uh, but it's it's basic stuff just showing mm. you know you can compare two different competitors and see what the uh percent overlay of keywords is that, that they both have in common and the size of the bubble mm. is uh, uh, it's a venn diagram and the, the size of each of the circles is like the total number of, uh the, the total traffic that each of the sites gets can can you download the data as a csv or something yes so what i might do without turning this into a whole project i'm not going to do that is just download that csv and then figure out because, because you know, plotting it on an XY graph from two variables—that's a pretty sure. Yeah, that's not hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> not, not hard in quotes. <laughs> not hard. <laughs> Unlike the, the non AI, yeah, the the Santa drawing problem. Yes, yeah. this this seems like it's actually not hard. Uh, graphic <laughs> graphic things based on two numbers is a is a solved problem and has been for a while. Right. Uh, any thoughts on this SEO strategy? I think 
so I, I think the next step is keep doing what he's telling me to do find some keywords that are low difficulty high traffic and then build pages for those and then also juice them with some ads uh and then i can start doing that now because if people land on my landing page and sign up for my email list like that's worth it to me and then i can also start gauging the the traffic from it what, what are your thoughts on this seo paid ad uh, yeah. strategy uh, a couple thoughts S- sounds pretty good um my first thought was uh, if you thought gpt was good at creating keyword ads i bet chat gpt is even better uh oh interesting so that like for the actual ad copy yeah ad copy and keyword ideas like maybe there's yeah, yeah. similar keyword ideas that SEMrush isn't like showing to you that uh, chat gpt would and then from there you could branch off in the SEMrush tool yeah um, that's good so that's one the oh no chris that's the angle okay Here's what we're not going to do. It's just an idea for a company. <laughs> you make a competitor to Ahrefs and SEMrush that integrates ChatGPT or mm-hmm. GPT-3. And you do these graphs and you just... So it, it's like a really complicated tool. There's a whole bunch of different pages. And there's a reason why there's this onboarding expert uh, showing me how to use all these different tools and the different sorts yeah. of lists. So the tool that you make is just you... The, the input is just your website URL and yeah. the URL of a bunch of your competitors. And then the output of it is these are the keywords you should make let me cluster them together for you these are the pages you should have and and here's copy uh, for them and here's copy yeah hit this button to 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 write an article that would uh rank on this uh i i I think that would make the internet worse because you have a lot more of this like blog spam stuff but that's that's how they do it the other thing i saw recently was that uh open ai used their own gpt tool to try to guess I think I have some of the details wrong but try to guess whether something was written by chat GPT or not and it got it right like 99.9% of the time Interesting. So currently do not use prose straight out of chat GPT for articles because surely Google you know or, or you know like that search engines are going to deprioritize that content I'm sure yeah um, yeah and right now it's very easy apparently to tell the difference interesting what a real world consequence of plagiarism hmm. I feel like up until now it's you've been heavily reported for plagiarizing things uh oh this is a small aside but the i can't remember if we've talked about this that the there's a hot take that i heard about all the open ai gpt3 stuff that they are really well positioned to replace google because on google you try to search for something and now it's going to be clogged up with all this blog spam generated by gpt3 so you know gpt3 is making is making google worse and at the same time with stuff like chat gpt where you can just have a conversation with someone and they just answer your question as if you're talking to a really smart human that is becoming a much better alternative that can sift through all this immense amounts of data and just give you the the answer that you were looking for so i think that's really interesting this this feels like sort of what siri and alexa and google home have been trying to do to have something at this level of intelligence that you can just have a conversation with and and it just gives you the answer to your question yeah yeah so so yes but um there was uh, a public comment about an internal google like talk that happened at one of these internal google conferences things Mm -hmm. and basically the comment mentioned that um right now it is about 100 times more expensive to serve a chat gpt request than it is a google search result interesting Um, so they would have to get 100 times more ad revenue in order to make ads work um which is, seems extraordinarily difficult. Google is also extremely profitable. Do they not have? I, I, I'd be surprised if they didn't already have a hundred x margin. So, so, so Google may may <coughs> be able to do it right, but if OpenAI is trying to grow into that, like right. growing from zero to that, seems extraordinarily difficult. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing. The other is that ChatGPT is uh, often very confidently incorrect. Yes, um, which is really bad if you want to be a search engine that says you know that say like wants to you know surface the truth uh, yes. or, or surface true things <laughs> uh, very bad to be confidently incorrect so until they solve that uh, I don't see it replacing the the factual part of Google um, creative stuff sure like using yeah. chat GPT is like a, like a riff kind of thing yep. um, awesome yep. but trying to get facts out of it is impossible <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah I had a moment of that when I was just playing with it trying to solve this bug in ffmpeg rendering there's a, a node library i'm using called uh, fluent ffmpeg mm. <clears throat> it's like a, it's a node wrapper for all the things that you can do in ffmpeg and i was trying to uh, escape special characters when i use a function called draw text with lets you draw text on the in the image so uh i noticed that like uh, a quote wasn't working and parentheses wasn't working and uh, a few other things <coughs> excuse me and uh so i googled Oh my gosh, I didn't Google. I, I chat GPT'd. Oh uh, boy. They need to come up with a different name. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I GPT'd. Yeah. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I, I asked chat GPT. I don't, I don't know. know how to say that. I searched on jet. I was talking to chat GPT. <laughs> I was chatting to chat. I was chatting. Chatted? I chatted chat GPT. I don't know what to say. We'll workshop it. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> how do you escape special characters in Fluid MFMPEG? And it responded as if I was talking to a person. Like, it, it said, if you're trying to escape special characters in Fluid MFMPEG, you just import the escape function from Fluid MFMPEG. And it printed out an example. And it said, you know, import escape from Fluid MFMPEG and then had the draw text function. And then before it had the text, it, it called this escape function. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's perfect. What great design. That's that's so intuitive. That's exactly what I would have expected. And I tried it and it said, cannot find the function escape. And I said, huh, that's weird. Let me uh, Google for it. Maybe they, maybe they've changed it since the version because I know ChatGPT is working with right. old information. And I searched for it and it just doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> ChatGPT, just, it just made it up. <laughs> A very plausible sounding answer that probably should be the way that they are uh, uh, doing this. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought it was funny. So I ended up having to do this ridiculous, oh my gosh, I, I, I had to escape so the, the backslash character, if it was in the string, had to be escaped with, I think it was 16 backslashes. I had to do a find and replace for I any backslash. Tweet. It was ridiculous. It's the most number of escapes I've ever had to do. <laughs> uh, which I guess it's there's like four layers of escaping I had to do because every time you escape, it, it cuts the number by half. So just in jo- to go from JavaScript, a JavaScript string to just the, the raw backslash characters, you have to do a double backslash. So it goes immediately so from 16 double to Double from one to... Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So it's just... It was funny to me that there were that many layers of, of indirection. That is hilarious. Um, I've, I've gone down several rabbit holes with you. Uh, <laughs> ChatGPT. Oh, popping all the way back up. Use ChatGPT to, to figure out keywords and also help me write the initial yes. uh, version of the blog post for, for each of these keywords. So yeah. add copy... Keyword research, ad copy, and also the the blog post. I think that's uh, all yeah. good ideas. So, so that's thought number one. Uh, thought number two is that whatever this M, uh, SEMrush guy is telling you, it, it will keep you on SEMrush. Like his job is to make you use, it, like make SEMrush useful to you. Yes. Um, that may not be the best thing to do for Video Clipper, especially like since you are one person and you don't have a team doing this stuff. Like yeah. a team can always go back to the tool and find new whatever, um, but you may want to use it once and six months later use it again so just yeah. be watch watchful for that whatever he's telling you is to make you happy with the tool not yeah 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 and that's something i, I told him even in the very first meeting that i felt like this was a tool that i might just use once and then uh use again but he he's sort of showed me that there's some of these features that can track more data that if i have an account you know i can i can track historical data on my competitors and i can track historical data on the the keywords and rankings but i don't know that i care about that uh especially like it's not a cheap product i think it's uh 100 120 dollars a month or something so like absolutely makes sense as long as i'm having these weekly coaching calls with him and i i'm planning on having a frank conversation with him about like look here's where i'm at and i really appreciate what you've been doing and i think this is a really good product but i don't see a reason to keep paying for it for the next six months until i need to check on this stuff again um and then see what he says I think you know once I once I hit that 10k MRR mark, a hundred dollars a month is not going to feel nearly as big. But uh, I, yeah, I it's, think... it's interesting from a product perspective on their end that you know how how do you continue to to deliver this much value uh, every month? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think as soon as you have someone looking at it more than yeah twice a month or once a month or whatever, yeah, that that's when it's worth it. So it might that might be you, or it might be later down the line when you hire some either an assistant or a full-time person or something yeah yeah makes sense cool okay all of that was this marketing strategy of uh both seo and adwords uh they're they're both sort of related and i have another there's a few different marketing strategies i'm thinking about doing i could do like direct outreach i think that's an interesting thing to think about um i can be uh, having sort of this viral marketing thing where there's a consumer product where just fans of a podcast can be uh clipping videos and then eventually the podcast is going to see oh that's interesting we got a whole bunch of engagement from this video that has this watermark what's this thing that they're using and the one that i'm thinking about today is conferences and i i just started thinking about this like like earlier this week so uh this isn't fully fleshed out but i have been going to these conferences sort of as a customer of the conference. Like when I go to MicroConf, 
I'm trying to learn the things that they're trying to teach me. I'm, I'm, I'm directly in the audience of MicroConf. And I've noticed there are people at MicroConf who are trying to sell things to me, like copywriters or like uh, SEO experts or, or that sort of thing. Um, Ahrefs has been a sponsor of MicroConf for a while. Stripe uh, sells things to me. And Sarah pointed out, like, why am I going to these conferences where I'm the customer when I could be going to conferences where I'm the person selling to those customers? And that's one of the things that got me really excited about focusing on the video clippers. I would be excited to go to a conference of video creators. So I did a little bit of research today on YouTuber conferences and creator conferences. One of them is Craft and Commerce by Nathan Berry of ConvertKit. That's a conference that I'd be excited to go to that I think would have a lot of people who are making videos who would fit this audience directly. Uh, I think the biggest one is called VidCon, and VidCon is at the same, it's it's YouTubers and it's also fans of the YouTube channel, so that, that would get mixed up a little bit, uh, but I imagine I'd be bumping into some mid-range YouTubers who, who would like this sort of strategy, and uh, yeah, so I think I think in thinking about conferences this way, the the only calculation I need to make is the one in traction, which is uh, what's my customer acquisition cost, including my time going to this thing and the hotel and the conference ticket and can i get enough customers based on their lifetime uh lifetime value ltv uh can i get enough customers from this to justify the expense if i can go to one of these conferences and get 10 new customers for 100 dollars a month that's uh 1200 dollars a year is that right no 12000 12000 dollars a year oh yeah hold on no it's going to be much less than that okay if, if i'm if i'm assuming people are going to churn after a year which would be an exceptionally high churn rate. And I think going to one of these conferences is going to cost like, I don't know, $2,000. I think I would just need 1200 I think I would just two, need two, two customers, customers, right? Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. That's the first time I've thought, <laughs> the first time I've thought through that. Yeah. yeah. No, I think, of course, I could do that. And then throw one more in there for like, I don't know, my time at the conference. And I'm going to be enjoying myself, like meeting new people. And, uh, you know, I could probably meet Mr. Beast or something. That'd be kind of cool. Uh yeah, so that's that's marketing strategy number two that I'm thinking about today. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I would. I think it's a neat, cool thing to try, um, especially like craft or craft and commerce, which you. I think that's more writing than videos, but there are video creators there. I think, um, mm-hmm. but you would enjoy just going. And so, even sure. if you got no customers, I think it'd be interesting. I, I've even thought about going to that conference before, just because I thought it would be neat to go. Yeah. Um, that was back before I had a job, I guess. Now. I have a job. <laughs> um, but uh, VidCon, my understanding is that's more like CES. Like it's enormous and there's yeah. lots of tons of people. Like maybe it would be interesting. I have no idea if it would be fruitful or not. Try it. Um, there's a really great talk. This is more for enterprise sales, I guess. But there's a really great talk by someone from Y Combinator. And I can't remember. Oh, it's the person who does um, Segment. Is that the right? Segment IO? Um okay. And he talks about how to go to conferences. And this is for enterprise stuff. But he says, don't go to conferences and just like walk around. If you're going to conferences, first of all, if it's small enough, you can like be a sponsor and get the get the attendee list before you go. Now, that obviously does not apply to VidCon. Right. But, um, to other smaller ones, maybe. And then you can email those people, try to set up meetings. And so that's how you sell at conferences. You set up as many meetings as possible. Um, I saw this happen at HIMSS as well, which is the healthcare conference. And that's as big as CES. Well, not maybe as big as CES, but it's huge. Mm-hmm. But by my boss emailing a whole bunch of people before the event he set up meetings like all day every day um and that works extraordinarily well um just walking around or even having a booth like almost nothing but pre-setting up meetings was the way to go so that's a great tip okay i'd like to i'd like to check that out um yeah because i haven't really thought about conferences from a sales perspective of how do I directly convert people at this conference to, to be able to sell to them. I, even at the last, I went to the microconf local in Austin, uh, I think a week and a half ago. And there were two happenstantial conversations that I had with people where I was just telling them about the video clipper and they were like, Oh, I have a YouTube channel and I would love to use that. Um, so it's been interesting having something that having a product that I feel like more closely aligns with this sort of person that I like interacting with anyway. Uh, I, I I don't think I well in, in all the years that I was talking about file inbox I think I may have had three or four conversations with people where they said they, they might be interested in using it and I don't know that I could directly attribute uh, actually getting a, a customer from that so yeah that feels good you mentioned also that VidCon is huge which it is and in just doing a little bit of research for this I found 
something like a dozen different conferences. One of them is Vid Summit, which is actually in Dallas, which I think is just the YouTubers. It's not the fans. Um, and it's a much more expensive conference, but I feel like that would be much higher ROI. Uh, like looking at this, it's a, it's a $900 ticket, but that's one person. <laughs> if, I, if I can sell one person on the, the $100 uh, a month video clipper service, then okay, that, that pays for my ticket. And then anything else on top of that would be gravy. Uh, also Playlist Live, Content Marketing World looks really interesting because the Video Clipper is a content marketing strategy. I, I think that'd be fun. Um, you know what's also going to be interesting is like going to a conference where I feel like sort of an outsider with a special skill set than everyone else. Going to MicroConf, I feel like, oh, well, I know how to make apps and I do it in React and Next, but and these other people are doing it in whatever, PHP and Laravel or, or Ruby on Rails or something, but we're all sort of living in the same world. Whereas if I go to one of these conferences of content creator people, and I just say that I know how to code, like that's going to be weird. <laughs> that's yeah. that's going to be interesting. Um, that that, yeah, I, I feel like I could be uh, making more valuable connections, and yeah, so feels like I'm on the right track. Uh, in anything else in the strategy of uh, conferences? No, I mean I would just try try. I would try small and inexpensive first, but you know, yeah. if you just want to go to VidCon to go, like that's fine too. But uh, yeah. VidCon tickets are surprisingly cheap, especially if you're just oh. going as like a fan. I think it was under a hundred dollars for a ticket. Crafting oh, Commerce wow. also, it's a early bird special, I think, and that was like a two hundred dollar ticket. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it used to be more expensive. I wonder if COVID made everyone lower their prices. Oh, uh, interesting. I just went to a holiday party, the first in-person holiday party uh, for this local indie, like uh, Indianapolis group, and. Uh, there usually was like 200 people there and there's maybe 100 <laughs> so like wow like just less people are going to stuff yeah, yeah yeah huh huh that's actually a really good segue into the last thing i want to talk about all right i have been on a cruise for the last week yes and uh cruise is also impacted by this whole COVID thing are you sick yet <laughs> <laughs> every single person got sick Every, like, oh no! I, I can't with uh, it was like 20, 20 people. Oh, Ridiculous! I, my yeah. sister was the one who like yeah. spearheaded this, and uh, it started with just like siblings, and then that extended to parents, and then extended to uh, you know all significant others, and then also uh, cousins and and uh, aunt and uncle, and uh, yeah, 20, 20 people total, and I think everyone got sick. Uh, I made it one of the longest. Sarah and I got sick like later on in the trip, but. Uh, yeah it was cool like it's still fun being on a cruise even when you're sick like the, the food's still really good you just go to bed a little earlier um and i really liked things that things that i would like to copy from my cruise life into my real life are just having good interesting food available without having to think about it that's still something i feel like i haven't totally solved in my life and just being around family all the time. You're just mm -hmm. like bumping into people and there's stuff going on and oh, you wanna play a board game? You wanna go see the show or whatever? That part I really liked. Everything else about the cruise, I, I could sort of leave it or take it. Uh, and then there's a lot of things about the cruise that just feel like debauchery. Like there's a casino right by the main dining room and it just smells like smoke. And right. yeah, man, walking through a casino is such a weird feeling because there's so many people just staring at these machines, just pushing a button, the slot machines I just, like I get it. it it took me a long time to get it I feel like I get it now but I don't understand how people keep doing it knowing like if you've if you've played a slot machine I don't understand why you wouldn't immediately go like oh I liked that a little too much and the expected value is negative so I'm not going to do that again drugs like there alcohol, are people man. who go and that's just a recreational thing that they do and same I don't understand as, same thing as drugs and alcohol like it's yeah it's how is that legal? How is that okay? Alcohol also. Oh my gosh. There were something like a dozen bars on this ship all over. There's one by the pool and there's one that rises up from the, the shopping area of the ship to up to the top of the area of the ship. And there's just every corner of it. Um, it was interesting. Every day there was a, a organized AA meeting that they called uh, Friends of Friends of Bill something. Uh, it, it was coded. It, it didn't like it, yeah. it didn't say it was an AA meeting but my gosh if you struggle with alcohol abuse a cruise ship is not the place for you that is not somewhere where you uh that that's not a healthy place for you so like the drinking no thank you the gambling no thank you uh the shows were kind of cool it was cool just like having free entertainment that you could go to uh i love just being able to like walk into a restaurant and just eat whatever i want and then just leave <laughs> yeah, yeah uh that that was really cool uh and then you know having meals with family and 
doing that stuff that that was also really fun yeah um i've had similar I, i've never been on a cruise i probably won't be because my wife absolutely hates boats like she gets oh. seasick like really quickly um okay. and so but we've had a similar experience where when we all went to we've done this a couple times with her family um her her family has like timeshare things and yeah. so we've gone for christmas to colorado once and to california once um and that's similar because you all have rooms near each other and you all like do things together and stuff um yeah so that's kind of cool it's not like an everyday thing right it's a vacation just like you right. had but yeah it's, it's it's a nice change of pace so that's good um the food thing can be a solved problem if you want to pay enough money the trick is solving it without a private chef you know that yeah. uh is the trick <laughs> so um, i don't yeah, know yeah i don't mind cooking i like cooking i think mm. it's the like meal planning uh like if I just walk into the kitchen and the ingredients are just there, something like a green chef or, or a pre-prepared thing, but even those I feel like are too expensive. Here's what I want. Yeah. I want to pick the diet I'm going to follow and then I want a, a menu of recipes and I want to just click the recipes I want and then I want the ingredients for those recipes to be ordered for me through a grocery delivery service. So I'm just paying the base cost for the food and whatever the $10 delivery fee. And then the service is not in charge of delivering me the food. That's, I get that through the grocery store. The service just sends me the, the recipe. And then for that service, I would pay something like, I don't know, $10, $20 a month. Uh, that, that's what I want. Interesting. Um, I was going to say either end of that spectrum exists. Uh, there are places that you type in your diet and they will give you a menu. Um, but you have to buy the ingredients yourself. Yep. And then there's places like HelloFresh who will give you the ingredients, but they're expensive. Yep. It's almost as expensive as going out, um, which we've actually been doing that recently uh, for two meals a week. And it feels better than going out. It also exposes our kids to more foods. So that's how we're justifying paying for the price. Yep. Um, and it's not it's not quite as expensive as going out. It's like a little cheaper, but it's like it's like nine bucks a portion or something like that, 10 bucks a portion. Yeah, that's fair. Right. Um, and going out is like $11 a portion. You know? yeah, so yeah. it's like almost the same. <laughs> and um, they don't have dishes either right um but it's also healthier like there's less salt and you get to decide like how much sauce goes on your food and stuff um, right, right. i don't know I, I don't know of a service that does that but do, do grocery delivery places have apis i think i looked into this one time and there was a way to do it but it no was idea. weird maybe i would think whole foods would because that's through amazon and amazon's all about apis ah i feel like this is it oh it's another distraction chris you can oh. also you, you have an executive assistant right i do I bet she could take a list and order things for you in under for an hour. Sure, that's very interesting. Yeah, that's my that's my prototype of this. Yeah, okay. So I ordered a, a recipe book from uh, I think it's called Primal Kitchen. It's of all the different diets like paleo and keto and everything else. I, I think I like the the Primal Kitchen stuff the best. It's sort of keto, or it's it's sort of paleo, but with kind of a keto bent, and I don't know his his philosophy on health and nutrition just uh, jives with mine. Uh, so I have the the cookbook from him. So I th that's that's arriving in the next few days. So I think what I want to do is just like page through that as if it's a menu, and then send a picture of it to Rachel, and then hook her up with my grocery delivering whatever on on whole foods or amazon or or tom thumb or something yep. and oh i don't want her to order things that i need that i already have yeah you should so, probably say like don't order salt and oil and whatever like right mm. right but, oh and, and i'm just dealing with I'm, it's just it's i'm just talking to a person right so yeah you she know, just text you if she has a question she could just text me or she oh oh you know what i wanted to do i wanted to preload i wanted to load up my virtual cart with everything that i might need and then, you just and then I just want to go through real quick and say, oh, olive oil, I already have that. Salt, I already have that. Don't need that. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. It'd probably take her 15 minutes, 10 minutes per recipe, maybe. For sure. For sure. Oh, man, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, I think that's... Okay, that's the next attempted solution to this problem. Cool. Thank you. Cool. Uh, I have one more tiny thing to talk about, which is... Are you familiar with the author David Foster Wallace? Uh, I've heard that name, but I have no idea. He's a... Very mm, em emotionally sensitive, uh, anxious, uh, uh, neurotic author. He has a whole bunch of really interesting writings on television. He he was uh, prolific, sort of in the, like the mid to, to late nineties, um, talking about how bad TV is for you and how it creates mm -hmm. this sense of voyeurism and like, oh man, I, I would love to 
get his perspective on the internet but uh he killed himself like most oh. interesting authors do yeah sure uh but one of one of his short essays is about him going on a cruise ship and his experience there and it's just so interesting hearing this person's like he's so observant and so good at pointing to this you know taking this this sort of abstract feeling he's feeling and and distilling it down to like ooh, it's it's this this is the thing and then all of a sudden i think oh my gosh i felt that feeling my whole life and, and yes now i have this label to attest to it one of those is uh, a word he coined called boviscopophobia which he defines as the fear of being perceived as a cow and he feels it in these sort of situations like lining up to the buffet uh-huh. or being in this mass of people going out on this cruise ship port uh, and and being seen by the natives as just this collective Brr. mass of Americans, like yeah, like just off to stupidly buy things they don't need and and like yeah. be kind of rude and uh, and and there were so it, it became sort of a meme in our group because uh, I'd read it and I had given it to my cousin too. I thought we'd be interested in it, so both of us were aware of this term boviscopophobia. And then several different it, moments in the in the ship of like you know we're lining up for customs or something. Uh, would just turn to each other and be like boviscopophobia right they're like yeah <laughs> i i tried at first mooing to be like as a signal of yeah. like i feel like a cow right now but then i realized it may be misconstrued by some of the other passengers who may be self-conscious about their weight <laughs> so i stopped mooing in, the, oh, in those no. situations uh if you were a passenger on the uh oh my gosh what was the the ship name uh tranquility of the seas i don't remember uh yeah. huge gigantic ship if, if you were a passenger and you heard me moving i was not moving at you to make fun of you i was moving to, to try to i was moving with you yes <laughs> i was i was moving i was moving with you as a fellow cow oh man um uh, uh chris that's I, all i got I, I was just gonna say I happen to be watching several like Netflix comedy specials recently and both yes. Jim Gaffigan and John Mulaney both have jokes about this where they're like um, n- not exactly that but I think John Mulaney says something like uh, uh, if you're at a table and you're like who wants fries for the table should we get some fries for the table yeah, you yeah. want fries <laughs> right it's like getting people in so that you don't feel so uh, bad about ordering extra food yes. yeah it's a similar similar thing that's funny that's, that's all I got to then I'll see you next week goodbye Bye.